Welcome to the Camp House Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Busby, and today's episode is part of our special series focused on our local election for the next Chattanooga mayor. As many of you know, this election cycle features the largest field of candidates for mayor that our city has ever had, 15 in all. It is my goal to bring as many of these candidates as possible onto the podcast right here over the next couple weeks. These interviews with the men and women running for office will take the shape of a conversation that will allow you to hear their story, qualifications, and the passion they have for our city of Chattanooga. In the end, our hope is that you will feel more informed and engaged when you cast your ballot for the next leader of our city on Tuesday, March 2nd. And now I give you our interview with Wade Hinton, candidate for Chattanooga mayor. Well, Wade, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here with you, man. It is. Uh, it's great to have you. And uh, this is one of the, the interviews I wanted to make sure we got in before election, which is coming up on March 2nd, only a few days away from when this podcast is being released. Um, and, you know, I got to say thanks for being here because it is uh, Tuesday, February 23rd. It's my wife's birthday, by the way. But the weather is absolutely perfect outside. And uh, it's just a great day to be in Chattanooga. Man, it is. And so I'm going to, you know, I've been spending the morning uh, on the phone talking to voters uh, and just getting uh, folks engaged and excited about getting out the boat early. Uh, but if they can't, certainly March 2nd is, is what we're asking. But I want to get out into some neighborhoods this afternoon. So I'm looking yeah. forward. It's always, I know it's weird maybe for folks to think about how do you campaign during a pandemic. Um, but, you know, what we are finding is that people really are, they appreciate the engagement and the conversation. So we're, we're trying to have as many as we can. Yeah, you're one of the few people I've interviewed since early voting has opened. How do you feel about turnout in general, you know, just being on the campaign trail? Um, I mean, it, because there's 15 candidates, we should have a record turnout for local elections. But is that what you're seeing? Well, I, know, I think there's an uptick compared to previous uh, elections. And uh, we also had some, so a couple of days where the weather was just not wasn't to, like it is today. Uh, and so, but we, we certainly anticipate there being a, a slight increase. Well, that's great. Yeah. Well, you know, Wade, I, the way I like to start these, and I say this on every episode, <laughs> um, and so it's a broken record for me and for my listeners, but like, I don't want to read a bio, your bio, you know, or anything like that. I kind of want to hear from you. Uh, about your own bio and why you're running for mayor here in Chattanooga. Yeah, and I'll, I'll only take 20 minutes to do this. <laughs> so, uh, listen, I'll just start with the fact that I'm a native of the city. And uh, you folks know I was born and raised in a community called the West Side of Chattanooga, which is right uh, on the other side of the Trade Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I tell folks, if you were to design a neighborhood that would be sort of overlooked and forgotten, right? That's that's one of them, right? Because it, there literally there's no uh, single family housing there. It's all public and subsidized homes or houses housing there. And uh, but it was a neighborhood though for me that really uh, embraced me. It was one I had a sense of belonging. Uh, we supported one another. It was the kind where your neighbors could get on you uh, before your mama got home, right? That's the kind of neighborhood it was. And so it it it's. Uh, it was there, my mom, she, she raised me and my two sisters. Uh, and she always made sure we were doing the right things, but she also made sure that she, we, we were doing some service as well, right? She would have me run errands for some of the seniors uh, in our neighborhood. 
And although I was, you know, as a kid, I would, I would want to watch cartoons or do something else that kids would do at the time. You know, she was, she, she would have me go, go again, get groceries or take out the trash for, for some of the elderly ladies. And, and what, again, looking back to me, for me, that's service, right? That really is you know, her planting that seed. It's a seed that's been, been with me uh, throughout my life. And, uh, you know, I, I went on to uh, finish CSAS, uh, attended public schools all my, my life here, and went on to Emory University in Atlanta. Um, and uh, went on to law school in Memphis, you know, becoming the first in my family to graduate from college and, and, uh, and then on the law school. But uh, I came back and I was not initially gonna come back, Matt. I, and, and part of it was, listen, you look around as a kid who, you know, there was, it wasn't a social, it wasn't a very social place, right? It wasn't a place where I felt that sense of belonging. I didn't see a lot of folks that looked like me in roles of leadership around the city. Um, and so why would I do that? But then, you know, I, I realized that if there was ever going to be a time for us as community to be in a place where it, we were inclusive, where we did have representation, then I needed to come back and work on those issues in addition to just the work I, I did professionally. So I came back, I've been practicing law for about 20 years. Um, did uh, have my own firm with, with some partners. So I, I know what it's like to pray that that, that, uh, that, that invoice is paid uh, so you can make payroll or you know, pay your mortgage and all those things, right? I, I, so I certainly for those small business owners out there, entrepreneurs, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I also had a chance to work at uh, Miller Martin and then Volkswagen, where I was basically the general counsel for uh, the local manufacturing facility. Um, I left there to become the city attorney and you know, spent five years with, with Mayor Burke. And I'm sure we'll talk about what, what some of those experiences uh, were there. And, and uh, after that, just, just you know, went to UNM, built out the inclusion diversity program globally. Uh, so it was the, I was the first chief diversity officer. So I had a chance to certainly work out of Chattanooga, but, but work in spaces and, and Maine and, and Massachusetts, Carolina, and then in the UK, uh, and also some, some counseling advice to, to our office in Poland. And so, uh, but I decided, man, that after, you know, the pandemic hit, after knowing that we had these inequities and disparities that existed, but they were worsened by this pandemic, that this was a moment for us as a city to lean in and address some of these issues, not just culturally, but systemically as well. Uh, and while we have some great candidates running, I just, you know, I walk in with this experience of knowing how policy works, knowing how to work with the county, uh, knowing how to work with the state, uh, having done past legislation, knowing how to look at job recruitment, know, knowing how to, to, to do work around and support small, all small businesses. And, and again, great folks running, uh, but no one walks in as well prepared as I do uh, during, for, this, for this office. Well, I, I do want to keep going in that direction, actually, because my next question is, you know, one of the exciting things about this field of candidates for mayor is how diverse the backgrounds are, you know, um, everybody from uh, business owners to nonprofit heads to uh, city council members to a dentist is running for mayor, you know, so how, and you've already started going this direction, so I just want to push you that way a little bit more. How has your time spent as an attorney, um, as, and then specifically as the city attorney, you know, really prepared you for leadership in our city? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, it's, it's a really the combination of my overall experience, right, as being an entrepreneur, as being, a, you know, someone who worked in the private sector, and then coming to that role as city attorney, I, I've always fashioned myself to be somewhat of an entrepreneur, right, looking for innovative ways 
uh, delivering services and providing uh, benefit uh, to to uh, not you know to, to to the citizens. And so for me, thinking about the work, uh, being at that table, negotiating what a thousand plus jobs would look like to come to this 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 community for Volkswagen, but more than that, making sure there are provisions around minority business participation, making sure that you know there are funds. Uh, from that uh, that deal that could help support our small businesses, and they're still doing that today, by the way. Um, being at the table when we're looking at a budgeting process uh, that that really call for more transparency and accountability uh, and for more public input, uh, but but you know, being there at the ground floor of building that out, being there when we launched the Innovation District, but also being there in a the cultural sense, right? I mean, when I, uh, as city attorney, I also staffed the Chattanooga Ford uh, committee that looked at how do we do better when it comes to arts and culture. We we landed with um, and and now office actually helped create what's now called the Tivoli Theater Foundation. Um, and so as you know, that's really meant a great deal to our city and, and culturally uh, made it a little bit more vibrant downtown. But also, you know, doing the work uh, at the state level when we knew there was uh, issues around affordable housing and issues for economic development. Uh, we I knew land bank authorities uh, was some was something that that you know, and other communities uh, that were helpful. Uh, and so the team and I, we, we drafted the legislation that went to the state that allowed not just Chattanooga, but for Memphis and Nashville and Knoxville and cities across the, the, this, the state of Tennessee to actually have these land bank authorities. So, so you hear people, like candidates talk about this, but you know, it, it didn't just happen, right? You have to have someone that knew how to get policy done, go to Nashville, lobby it, lobby for it. Um, but those are the things, again, I think being at the table, knowing how this works, uh, knowing how to, again, bring in the community and citizens get their, their, their uh, input, but, but also know that that input, that voice needs to show up in how you execute and implement policy. That matters, man. And, uh, and we don't have, again, again, great folks work, just don't have a lot of time right now as we're going through this pandemic for folks to learn how to do that. That's just, you know, that's just the work we've done and that's how I lead. And, and I think uh, that's one of the, the, you know, talking to folks during this, this campaign, talk to folks in different neighborhoods. And what I've heard is, hey, you know, I had a friend who was serving this committee and, and they certainly felt like they were heard, right? And that's really important. Yeah, I think citizen engagement is something we'll get into towards the end of this conversation as well. Um, but no, that's been, that's been fascinating. And I know you do bring a unique experience to this, to running for mayor, uh, having spent time as the city attorney and, and working with the state legislator with the county. I mean, there's, there, there's so many layers to actually creating policies and making change here in Chattanooga uh, that sometimes it actually goes beyond the bounds of our city limits and you gotta know how to work within, within that structure. Well, you know, you, like you said, you spent time in the Burke administration and, uh, and I'm just curious, you know, from your perspective, you know, when you look at the past five years in Chattanooga uh, or maybe even back a little bit further, cause you, you've been out of the mayor's office for what, three years now? Yeah. Man. Roughly, yeah, roughly three years. Okay, well, when you when you look back, maybe at the last eight years, so your time with in the Burke administration in the last three years, you know, what is something you've seen that, that our city has done really well? What's been one of the strengths of our city in that time? Well, listen, I, I could. There are a lot of things I could I could list uh, in terms of what I think successes would have been. Right, I mean, we we certainly I think some of the the job announcements and bringing more, you know, bringing some good paying jobs here. Uh, I think the creation of the innovation district also created some some. Uh, uh, some true investment. Uh, I think the uh, work we we uh, continue to see in terms of again uh, some of our small business support can do a little bit more. I'm going to do a lot more. 
when it comes to small business support. But I think uh, that's, you know, those are the things we, we've, we've seen. But, you know, what I would I would say the Office of Early Learning for me from the city government perspective, I think was one of the successes coming out of the Burke administration. Uh, and, and part of it, uh, you know, is just as mayor, you, you get the opportunity to lift up issues that are really important and pressing. And early learning education is certainly one of those where we, and I, I think, you know, we, we have some great organizations like Signal Centers and others that are doing fantastic work, right? But I think it's something about uh, when the mayor says, this is important, we wanna, you know, provide scholarships, we wanna increase the number of seats, uh, but, but do it in a way where we're partnering with uh, uh, business owners, uh, childcare providers and other nonprofits who are doing, uh, investing in this work. So I, I think to me, that's one of the, 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 the uh, you know, successes coming out of it, right? And I think, you know, we'll see more, uh, you know, whether it's through Baby University, again, or the other initiatives that came out of that office, we'll, we'll see more in years to come how that, how that returns in terms of ROI. But I think you have to start with that that uh, that that concept. I think the other side of this is, you know, you have some things like the disparity study. Uh, that was one of the last things I did before leaving. Mm -hmm. uh, our P process, we had to sort of shepherd it through, and then James McKissick uh, and the team uh, finished that up. But that too, I think, has a, a, a wonderful. We have a wonderful opportunity, I think, to make sure we're doing uh, being more aggressive with. Uh, supporting our women and minority-owned businesses, and I, I think also expanding our definition of a diverse business as well. Um, that's one of the things I did at Unum. You know, it was when I was there. The definition was uh, basically women-owned or minority-owned, uh, and I, you know, I wanted to make sure we thought about uh, 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 disabled-owned, veteran-owned, LGBTQ-owned. Right? You've got to really again expand that definition of. Uh, of diversity, and so that's that's one thing we uh, we did, and that's an approach I'll bring here to the to the city. Are you still at Unum, or did you leave that? I actually left, so I was oh, okay. to do this. Yes, I, I was really. I mean, I listen. This <laughs> there's there's no way I've I've seen some people try to, to balance both, and I knew that there was no way I could do this uh, uh, full time. And uh, so this was a you know we this was a walk of faith, man, a leap of faith. Yeah, uh, not there, but it's that important to me, Matt. It, it really is. And when I say this moment, um, we we have, I think, you know, tremendous and a tremendous opportunity to. Uh, this is a turn, could be a turning point for us as a city, and I want to make sure um, that we're focused on the right things and uh, we get you know get some things done. I will say the other big thing though that I've seen, even after I've left the city, that I thought was a, a major um, accomplishment was to Ed Connect. Mm. Right. I mean, this is this is everything that you want to see. Right. This is people talk about the Chattanooga way. And by the way, the Chattanooga way can also is also, as I've seen, it can also mean that everybody's doing their own thing. All right. But, yeah. but the way we, we sort of talk about it is when people come together to solve our problems and, you know, you had the city and EPB and, uh, you know, some foundations. Right. Come together uh, in the private sector. Right. To try to figure out how do we make sure that more of our kids have access mm -hmm. to uh, the, the, the resources they need uh, so they can advance in, in terms of education. And so that's, I mean, that's, that's what you want to see. That's how we're going to get through this pandemic, by the way. It's not going to be, when you have limited resources as a city, you've got to be resourceful and by partnering and collaborating with, with, uh, with other partners. And 
And because I've also been the chair of the Benwood Foundation and I've also you know, been on the Community Foundation Board and other different, I know that we have some partners that are ready to lean in to help us solve some of these hard problems. So Yeah, well, so real quick, Ed Connect, for those who don't know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the city and EPB and others working together to make sure every student in Hamilton County Schools had access to the internet. And so whether that meant um, getting them internet access itself or whether that meant a device, somehow they were going to be able to learn online during this pandemic, correct? That's right. So it, and it's, and it's, uh, it's low-income families, right? And I think, and so there's, there were two things. One, you had the, the yeah, you had the, the actual EPB, the, the fiber, right, the internet. And you had also a push for Chromebooks, right, to get into every, every space, right? So I think, it, again, that's, that's what you want to see from a community. I think that's why when I talk to Chattanoogans, I, I, I have this engaging, uh, this sort of engagement exercise and I ask, you know, what are the things that, that you're most proud of in Chattanooga that will make you proud? And inevitably, someone's going to say, uh, we, we come together to solve problems, right? We, we, you know, so that is, that's something that's phenomenal. We got to make sure we continue to lift that up. I, what I want to do is just make sure as we're doing that engagement that we have more people at the table, different voices, but not just at the table, but also let those voices be heard. Uh, and again, the, the work show up in the, and the, the voices show up in the work and policies we implement. Well, I think you, you said this a couple of times, and I just want to come back to it and clarify, you know, uh, as far as the moment you decided to throw your hat into the ring to to run for mayor, is it because of the pandemic and COVID and the way you saw the community going over the past like few months? Yeah, it was it was this not this was something that I thought about. Right. But I think the, the pandemic, I think uh, the uh, murder of George Floyd, mm-hmm. um, I think what we saw was a community. Uh, not just here in Chattanooga, but all over, communities leaning in, wanting to have hard conversations about um, race and, and bias and, and, and just overall diversity and inclusion, right? And uh, what, I, what I know is that we had a lot of uh, folks in the private sector, especially, that wanted to, to, to get better at this, uh, but not knowing how. Uh, I know that on the public sector side of this, uh, there's a there's a an opportunity for us to to really be a champion on this, right? We people have heard me say that uh, you know we are the scenic city, we're the gig city, we're all these you know because we've been intentional about that, right? And branding ourselves as such, we can be an inclusive city, we can be a welcoming city, we can be a city of belonging, right? And if we do that, and if you have a mayor that knows how to do this, right? I mean that is that's actually implemented this. In a globally, right, and 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 but also knows how to have those conversations and uh, help people on their journey as a community. I, that that to me spoke of this opportunity that I just again I didn't want us to miss it. Well, we've already sort of uh, started mentioning some of these things, but you know, when you look at the next five years or the next term of, of whoever the next mayor is going to be, what do you see as one of the biggest challenges facing our city uh, during the next term for mayor? Yeah, so I mean, my my, I think the biggest challenge we're facing right now is this pandemic. And so if you, how you deal with this, and, and and you know, I was the first candidate to actually put out a COVID recovery plan because I, you can talk about a lot of other things, and I, don't get me wrong, they they are there are a number of other important issues, but we've got to get through this in a way that sets us up for, uh, uh, you know, a, a, an equitable recovery, a strong recovery on the other side. Uh, so for me. You know, making sure we are we're collaborating with our community stakeholders, uh, and that's why I'll, I'll have a COVID response director to help us do that. Mm-hmm. So that when Chattanoogans hear, "Hey, here's here's what we're we're going to do as a city," that it's 
it's consistent with what the county's doing, right? We, we actually have a, a consistent message uh, that's coming out. We also gotta make sure that people are staying in their homes, right? It, we, we, uh, we know there's a, we have a issue with homelessness right now. And, and one of the things we can do to, to try to address initially is to make sure we don't add to that number by making sure people are staying at home. So, so uh, you know, as, as dollars come down from the federal and state, we'll, we'll uh, have an equity, equitable equity recovery commission that will help us make some of those decisions around how we, we spend those dollars. But, but, but again, one would be rental assistance. We also want to make sure we're supporting our small businesses. Uh, you know, listen, it seems like every week we're reading about some place that's closing down and, you know, we, we've got to make sure we're providing the resources support uh, they need uh, to, to hope, you know, hopefully survive this, but thrive on the other side too. Um, and that's especially the case I know with some of our minority owned businesses where I've talked to folks in the entrepreneurial space and, and those who, who work in that world where uh, we've seen um, not as many minority owned businesses applying for PPP or other grants, right? Because of some technical assistance. And so we've got to make sure we're supporting organizations that can provide that assistance. And lastly, I think what that is, uh, you know, helping out our kids um, with, you know, we know there's been some, some folks who might've fallen behind and, and make sure we're providing the resources support to work with Dr. Johnson. Um, now, all of this too, by the way, is making sure we have every Chattanooga um, to get vaccinated, right? Every, I mean, who wants, who wants access, right? Who want who, those who desire to get vaccinated that we're helping provide that access. And that means, you know, even using some city facilities um, to do that. And, uh, but we've got to reach people where they are, um, especially those who might not have transportation, just, just being nimble and, and, and uh, adapting in that sense. So. Well, I, you talked about citizen engagement earlier, and um, you know, so that's that's another question that I have for for candidates is, you know, if you were to become mayor, how would you engage citizens in decision making processes of our city? Um, and and you know, I think specifically for you, since you spent time in the Burke administration, and you you know, Mayor Burke created this budgeting for outcomes that really did invite uh, engagement, whether that that engagement was to the level that was hoped for um, is probably a different question. So, so maybe not even just inviting, but how do, how do we get citizens to be more involved in decision-making? Yeah, so, I mean, I think um, everybody has their own leadership style. Mine is one in which, I, I, I mean, so Shirley Franklin said this, and I'm a, I am a firm believer in this. And she said, people wanna make sure you're doing things with them and not to them. And uh, I also believe that if you do it right, that the programs, the policies, the things you roll out, they're more sustainable when there's ownership by the community, right? And it's not, here's the city and here's, the, so we've got to make sure when we're thinking about policy, it is an engaging conversation and dialogue. And that doesn't mean that everybody's gonna get what they want, but, this, but that means, you know, having a good robust conversation about, you know, focusing on a purpose, right? And, and, and coming up with a product we think at that time uh, will be the, the most impactful uh, for our citizens. And so for me, this is, this is how I've just led. I mean, you hear people talk about, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I've done it. Like this is, I literally have had citizens and other stakeholders around the table getting their input. And then it shows up in whatever policy or ordinance we put forward before council or something that we adopt internally. So this is what I've, I've done, right? I, I think I do want to make sure as folks 
say, hey, this is how I want to live. This is how I've actually led. So for me, how do you make that a part of beyond just my particular leadership? Is for us, we're going to create an office, office of equity and engagement, right? And so that office will have two main goals, right? One will be to make sure that our every department, every department has adopts inclusive and equitable practices, right? So it it is not another department's job to go out and get uh, and find uh, a minority women-owned businesses. It's purchasing job. You got to build it into their practice. It's not another department's job to go and provide uh, or to do recruiting uh, to, to diversify our workforce as a city. That's HR's job. And so oftentimes you'll see uh, organizations that will outsource that kind of work to another department, but it really should be about who we, as, who we operate. So you'll, you'll, you'll see that. The second goal of this will be to make sure we're engaging citizens in that decision-making process. So we're building in practices so that if we're rolling out a major ordinance, if we're, if we're coming out with a major policy, uh, if, we're, if we're, you know, again, continuing to look for folks to serve on boards and commissions, if we're, if we're trying to make sure uh, we're delivering communication, that we have that input from, from citizens. And so uh, that part I'm, I'm most excited about because I think at the end of this, uh, people will feel like, man, I was, a, I was there, I was a part of this. And that's nothing better, better than that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm eager to get started on that. I really am. I think it'd be a just amazing uh, experience. And you know, uh, again, for for me, this is this is the Chattanooga way that people talk about, right? And this and this is how we're going to put it into practice uh, at the city. You know, as part of this office of engage equity and engagement, right, is to to make sure. That um, again, we it, it's it's also widening, if you will, or diversifying who's at the table. Right? Mm -hmm. I, I think we've just got to be different in that, and that also recognizes from our perspective how we get things out, roll things out. It might it might not we might not be the messenger, right? Because if we know that there's issue, there might be issues of trust with 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 government. Period. Right. That means that maybe it's a grassroots organization that we're partnering with. Uh, and maybe that it's, we're working more with our faith-based organizations to help us get there uh, and to, to drive the change that we know. Again, focusing on the purpose, not on the, not, not on who's getting credit. We're focusing on the outcome, right? And really trying to get things done. And so as we, again, people may think back to those times in the 2000s and the 80s, right? The, the, the renaissance of the city, which is, I think is fantastic. But we've got, but we have a real chance now to to do this a lot differently. Have more people at the table, different voices, and I think by doing that too, uh, I think when I talk about the fact that we've been intentional about investing in things like infrastructure, like the aquarium, like some, we can we speak with authenticity when we say we're going to invest in people mm -hmm. and neighborhoods because they're showing up and they're there. So. Well, Wade, let's say, you know, you are elected mayor here coming up in March or in April, as this is, you know, might come down to a runoff. Uh, and let's say you take office and, you know, within the first few little bit that you're there, you know, you're given a $1 million grant to spend however you want within the city to, to improve the city. You know, how, how would you, and obviously for a lot of our challenges, a million dollars is not enough to, there's no silver bullets, but as far as taking one step towards, um, you know, improving our city, how would you spend that $1 million grant? 
This is kind of a fun question, you know? Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's tough because I think we have uh, some, some, uh, uh, listen, uh, you know, there are some fun things you could do, right? Right now, man, we're in this pandemic. I want to make sure people stay in their homes. I want to spend that dollar to make sure we have, again, we have folks in their homes. I want to make sure we're, we're supporting our small businesses uh, to, to uh, so we can, uh, you know, can continue to keep good jobs here that we can offer training uh, for folks um, and those who might have uh, lost their jobs during this time. That's, I mean, I'm really, I mean, as, as much as, uh, you know, you'll hear you, there are a lot of other things we're going to do uh, as an administration, uh, but just know my key focus is to make sure we get through this in yeah. a way safe, uh, in a way that, uh, again, yeah, just, just takes care of our people. Well, you know, you've talked about a lot about recovery from this pandemic, and I think uh, there's, there, you've already mentioned it, we've already lost a lot of businesses. And so I think, you know, moving forward, part of recovery is not just making sure we keep the businesses, businesses we currently have, but, you know, how are you thinking about economic development moving forward as well? Yeah, so I, for, for me, this is something, again, I walk in with, a, with a, the experience of, you know, having worked with the chamber on a number of economic development uh, projects and programs. Uh, also, obviously, having worked with the county. So one of the things I want to I, I make sure we do is have an actual economic development strategy, right? We don't have that. And so that helps, the chamber's done a great strat plan uh, in terms of the, the, the identifying some potential sectors, but, but what does that look like in terms of you know, how the county invests, where we invest uh, to move our community forward, uh, but also where, where can other private sector partners in the private sector and the philanthropic community uh, play? Uh, so that, that's one of the first things you'll, you'll hear me talk about when we talk about uh, growth here is how do we create, create a strategy that's gonna bring good paying jobs? Both short term and long term. One of the, the the you know added components of this is when you're looking at right when you're looking at the kind of sectors that are hot like logistics is one. This is right. We we know uh, that there's a booming uh, industry here in the city. Well, if we know that, then are we preparing our talent to support that industry's growth? Right. That's one of the complaints we hear from 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 companies and entrepreneurs. If I want to grow, I have to go somewhere else to find talent. And we've got to make sure we're investing. And so I've also said to the chamber, let's have a talent strategy, which more what, what that really means is Chat State 2.0, um, you know, uh, Future Ready. Let's get around the table and let's let's sort of walk through the continuum of of our of our, of our talent and development. Right. And that helps us think about you know, preparing our kids, but also upskilling and reskilling adults mm -hmm. uh, for what's to come. And if we can, again, be intentional about saying, all right, we know logistics is the hot sector, let's go to Chat State and say, let's come up with a credential, right? That we could get to uh, folks in, you know, whether it's on Park or Lookout Valley, uh, wherever it is, right? Let's just make sure we're beginning to move people uh, from, uh, poverty, the middle class, and just again create that that path. Um, and I think in doing that too, what we 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 begin to open up is uh, what we talk about paths is that the kids can also begin to see this. Right? It's like, oh, here's this path I can take to do. And again, it could be that I want to be a teacher. I want to be uh, uh, you know first responder. I want to I want to be a plumber. Right? But we begin to create paths and, and opportunities in that exposure ultimately matters. 
Um, so that's, no, yeah, I, I love that idea that the kids can see the path and re-equipping adults because, you know, it's, it's incredibly powerful for somebody like you or you're, you know, or at least for me, I can't remember if you said this or not, but to be the first person in your family to go to college, right? Um, what's equally powerful is to see your parents do it, you know, to be a, to be a child and see your parents completely retool their career and follow a new path. You know, that's, that's massive. Now I, I, I look, man, it, it matters. Exposure matters. And, and I've been practicing law for you know, 20 years close to it. Right. But I didn't meet a lawyer till I was in college. Right. And so for me, it's been a lot of just figuring this out. Right. And I've been very blessed to have pool and some mentors and help God, but you know, it just, I just imagine what it would have been like to have that early on. And so the work I've been doing is, you know, even what I created uh, with some partners around the city, Blue Cross and, and Miller Martin and the law firms is a legal diversity consortium. And one of the things we're, we do, Matt, is we actually created a law camp to expose high school students to, to lawyers and judges. And, and they talk about their path, right? And, and that's, again, that's personal for me, but also, you know, what we've also done is, we identified the fact that the legal diverse, the legal profession wasn't that diverse. And so we, we came up with the clerkship program, launched in 2018. We have five clerks that first year, five clerks of color, all five are now in law firms. And That's incredible. That's incredible. And so we can do that with accounting. We can do that with a lot of other places and spaces where, where again, if we're intentional about this, we can really move the needle. Because they'll tell you that they wouldn't have been able to do this by themselves. It is about collective impact. Well, Wade, you know, the way I like to end these podcasts is by asking candidates, you know, where they live in the city, what their neighborhood is, and, and what is it that they love about that part of our city. Uh, so we know you grew up on the west side, um, and you talked about the community you had there growing up. Uh, where do you live now? What do you love about that place? Yeah, so I live now in Missionary Ridge. And uh, it's, it's interesting because I remember coming up here, my first job uh, was when I got a first paycheck job was I was working for the city in a public works program as, as I had a youth program, which will be, make a comeback, by the way. <laughs> um, and, you know, I remember being up here and just, you know, it was it was brush and removal and all of those things. I remember that. And so here being here now is just it just sort of a full circle in some ways. But, you know, this is first is a couple of things. One, the neighborhood itself is, is, is amazing. And it's a pretty diverse neighborhood, by the way. You during a presidential uh, campaign, you would you would see some some Biden Harris, uh, but you'd also see some uh, Trump signs as well. So it's pretty diverse in that sense. Uh, but it, it is also just the, the neighborhood neighbors themselves are just so warm and giving. And we lucked up because we're next to two families to have small kids. I have a five year old, uh, and uh, and and so she gets a chance to go out and hang out in the backyard and just have at it. Uh, the other part of this is the, the view, and as much as, you know, the days can get stressful um, and the days can get challenging, uh, you get a chance to go out and take a walk and see all of Chattanooga and look down and see how beautiful it is and just, it's amazing. And yeah, and that's, that to me is, it's, 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 it's magic, man. So uh, really, really blessed to, to be here and um, not, this has been the, the best move. We've been here about a year and a half. And we and we moved obviously right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. And we're so I mean, listen, it, it's it, it made all the difference to have that space to go walk uh, for us. And so it was just good. Yeah. yeah, I tell people all the time, the biggest difference uh, the pandemic has made on my family is how how much we've gotten to know the neighbors on our street, um, because there's you know a time where it wasn't safe to leave your house. And then it was only safe to really 
just to stay outside. And so just my kids playing with the other kids on the street and getting to know our neighbors has been the biggest blessing of the past year uh, for us. Well that, well, that matters, right? Because I mean, you know, especially they can't go to school. So having that engagement was, was important, man. It's just, and my, and I, it was only, it's only my daughter, Genevieve, and uh, she's an extrovert. So she had, I mean, it, she has girl. to. Yeah. yeah. So we, we were both in the house like, oh my God, we got to see people. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Wade, thank you so much for taking time for this interview and good luck with the campaign. Hey, man, thank you for this. And uh, look, 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 really appreciate you doing this. And I'm just going to encourage folks to get out and vote. Uh, if they want to know more about my platform, a background, they can go to wadehinton.com, uh, wadehinton.com, H-I-N-T-O-N.com. And there you'll see my experience. And here, and here's the thing that I would say, again, I, 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 not to take away from folks who are in some great leadership roles and what they did. But I don't think anyone has been as prepared. Um, and I only told you a little bit of what, you know, the different experiences I had, but uh, I don't think anyone is best, as well prepared as, as I am to, to deal with this. And having also been the city, city attorney, I represented the mayor and the council. So also get a sense of what their needs are as well. So I, I'm looking forward to partnering with them and I'm looking forward to continuing with the conversation with you. I know you all are continuing to do good work in the community. So I uh, hope this is ongoing dialogue. We will uh, put a link to uh, Wade's website into the show notes of this episode so you guys can go there and learn more about his campaign uh, and some, some of the nitty gritty issues. If that's something you're interested in, uh, we'll, we'll send you over to his website. All right, Wade, have a great day, man. What, 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 what was it? I cannot, I cannot leave this without saying, hey, I would love your vote. Yeah, of course. I'd be honored to have your vote. I'd be honored to have your vote. So thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. Well, I do just want to say thank you so much to Wade for taking time for this interview. Uh, we are right at the tail end of campaign season, so everybody's really, really busy. And like I said in the episode, you know, the weather was absolutely perfect on the day we recorded this interview. It's a perfect day to be out, to be campaigning, shaking hands and kissing babies. Uh, and so I'm really appreciative that uh, Wade took time for this interview. And guys, this is it. This is the last interview I'm going to do for our mayoral series. Election Day is coming up on March the 2nd. There are several candidates that I didn't have a chance to get to, uh, to talk with. Um, some of them, you know, I, I really missed out on D'Angelo Davis. He and I went back and forth and we couldn't get our dates worked out. Um, we kept missing each other. So I apologize for that. Uh, and there's a few other candidates we didn't get a chance to interview. But, you know, I highly encourage you if, you, if there's a candidate stuck out in your mind, Please go back and re-listen to that episode, read their website, um, you know, just inform yourself on these candidates and please, please, please get out and vote on March the 2nd. Um, like I said in other episodes, you know, city council elections are happening at the same time. So if you do not know who's running for your city council seat, uh, please head over to the Hamilton County Election Commission website uh, and you can see a sample ballot. There is a link to that website in our show notes and also you know, if there's other podcasts out there like Chattanooga Civics that have some other interviews, both with mayoral candidates and with city council candidates as well. So that's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed getting to know uh, Wade Hinton. Uh, please go on to his website. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can learn more about his campaign there, more about his story and his vision for Chattanooga. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the series and go out and vote.